Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John starts a whole new series. This series is entitled Heart Attacks. This is part number one of the series, and it is subtitled It's Universal. And now here is Pastor John. Let's start in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines, your heart determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And then 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament Paul said, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ, until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus today and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that we get to sit in an air-conditioned building on cushioned chairs with a sound system, with incredible worship. And God, we get a chance to worship you in this environment. So Lord, we're not going to whine and complain that everything's not perfect. We're just going to be grateful that we get a chance to do this today. Lord, we pray that you be glorified, that you be honored in every word. Lord, there's no, there's no man or woman alive that can preach the word and it have the impact that it needs to have without your anointing, without your, your empowering of those words. And so Lord, today we just ask that you would empower your word, not just in my mouth, but in our ears, that we'd receive it and that we would apply it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, the Bible teaches us that we are created in the image of God. God's a three-part being. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And, and thus, we are also three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians. Now, the body is the outer person, the part that you can touch and see. The soul and the spirit are part of the inner person. And it's the seed of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So please remember those three things, especially as we go through the entirety of this series, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, the Bible sometimes calls the inner man uh, the heart. The inner man, remember, is a soul, our soul and our spirit. And it's called the heart a lot of times. So when you read the word heart, in the Bible, many times it is referring to your soul and or your spirit, your, your inner man. Now, the scripture in Proverbs tells us that we are to guard our hearts. We're to guard our inner man. Why is that? Because according to scripture, it determines the course of our lives. Your mind, 
your will, and your emotions. Your inner man determines what happens to you in your life. It affects every job you've ever had. It affects every word you've ever spoken. It affects every decision you've ever made and every relationship you've ever had, including and maybe especially your relationship with God. Which brings me to the person who's standing here beside me. This is what happens when you don't guard your heart. At various stages of my life, if you could have seen me spiritually, I would have looked just like this. I would have looked just like this. Um, And you might have heard me say things like this. I just don't see God moving the way the Bible says he should move. I just don't see him working in my life. I don't see him working in other people's lives the way I expected him to after reading the Bible. I don't see him answering prayers. Or you might have heard me say, I don't hear God speak to me the way uh, other people say he speaks to them. You're supposed to be able to read the word and, the, and the, the, the words are just supposed to jump off the page at you. You're supposed to see stuff and, and hear the Lord speak, but it's just black words on a white page for me. Other people pray and they hear God answer. I pray and I hear my own words bounce back off the ceiling. I don't know his will. I don't see his path. I don't hear his voice. Or you might, you might have heard me say, I'm just numb. I'm just numb. I'm numb in worship. I'm, I'm numb in my life. Uh, there's no passion. I don't feel God the way other people say they feel God. I, I enjoy the music sometimes, but I wouldn't say it moves me spiritually. I, I, you know, the word's good sometimes, and, and, and a lot of times I have the best of intentions, but for some reason I just don't put it into practice. It, it's just like something is hindering me. Something is preventing me. And sometimes I wondered if God just didn't want to work that way anymore. Isn't that the easy way out? God just doesn't do that anymore. And then other times I would blame the people who seem to be seeing and hearing and feeling God. And I would accuse them of of thinking they're super spiritual, thinking they're better than than me, or or even worse, they're faking it. You're just, you're faking it. And that just led to more frustration because I know criticizing other people never makes anything better. And when you start questioning the motives of good people just to make yourself feel better, you're in trouble anyway. So let me show you in the word what the problem is. In John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, this is Jesus speaking. He said, yes, I am the gate And those who come in through me will be saved. They'll go and come freely and they'll find good pasture. The thief's purpose, our enemy's purpose, is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The enemy came to break our hearts, right? To steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us a rich and full life. How is that? Through relationship with him. This is how he said it in Matthew chapter 22. Very, very familiar and famous and should be. A person came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law, all the demands of the prophets 
are based on these two commandments. So Jesus said everything we need to know about relationship with him is to love God and love, and love, uh, love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our minds, and then love others. So how are we supposed to love God? With our inner man. We love him with our inner man. I want to show you one more scripture, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus stood up in his hometown church in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he read from the scroll of Isaiah, and he found the place where it said this, and then he, de- he, he proclaimed this, he declared this in the temple, or in the synagogue. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. So this is a purpose statement for Jesus. This is why he came to the earth. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, right? That's preaching salvation. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It is undeniable that Jesus' purpose was to come and preach the gospel of salvation. But did you notice in the same statement, these are commas that separate these. These are not separate sentences, separate topics, separate paragraphs, all part of the same conversation. Did you notice he said he also came to proclaim that the captives would be set free? That he also said he came to, to proclaim that the oppressed would be set free? Now, what in the world does that mean? The word oppressed literally means downtrodden, bruised, and crushed by tragedy. Downtrodden, bruised, and crushed by tragedy. So let's let's put all this together. Jesus wants us to have a rich and full and satisfying life. It's why he came. But we can't do that unless we love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Well, well, what if our heart is broken? What if our soul is pierced? What if our mind is overcome with pain from the traumas and tragedies and trials that we've been through in this life? How will we be able to love God for our, or, or love ourselves the way that we're supposed to? How are we going to do that? A bleeding heart is never going to beat for Jesus. And if we can't get love right, we'll never enjoy the rich and full and satisfying life that he came to give us. I believe so many of us are walking around just like this, blind, blind to the things of God, deaf to the voice of God, numb to the presence of God because our souls have been pierced by pain and we've never allowed him to heal us from it. So this series is called Heart Attacks. Heart Attacks, because most of us have not guarded our hearts from the attacks on our inner man that we've experienced over and over again, year after year, from the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb. So this series is intended to bring light to, to what the devil's been doing in the darkness of our lives for, for so many years and to lead you to the light of healing so that you can be set free and enjoy the life that Jesus came to give you. So let's get into the word a little bit more. This, this message today is called, It's Universal. It's Universal. And would somebody come lead this blind man off the platform? I mean, I can get him down, but he'd probably rather walk. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, here's the, first, here's the first point. Pain is universal. Pain is universal. 
I want to show you John 16, 33. We've been in John 16 for, for quite a while. I want, to, want you to see what Jesus said. I've told you uh, all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, please listen to this. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Right? So everybody has pain. We'll get to the happy part in a minute. Everybody has pain. It's not optional. There's not a version of this life that you get to skate through without problems, without pain, without trials and tragedies in your life. It's a part of the human experience. And as a matter of fact, the pain that we experience in our inner man, in our mind, our will, and our emotions, it started with the fall of Adam. Look at John, excuse me, not John, Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 3 and 7. This is in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Adam and Eve both just ate the fruit. And this is, this is the next verse. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. It, it, it's part of the curse. I, I want to show you this. Before they sinned, their hearts were perfectly aligned with God, right? Walk with him in the cool of the day. Everything was great. Carrying out his will, no problems. But after they sinned, they thought differently, right? It says their eyes were opened. They thought differently. They felt differently. It says they felt shame for their nakedness all of a sudden. And, it, and they acted differently. They decided to sow fig leaves together to cover themselves up, though God didn't see it necessary at the time. So how they thought and how they felt and how they acted changed as a result of sin. And it's the same for us. The trials and traumas and tragedies of our lives crush our souls and change how we think, how we feel, and how we act. It's not optional, even as a believer, Whoever started the heresy that true believers don't have trouble must have never read the Bible, right? People who are full of faith uh, experience personal tragedies. They experience family trauma. They experience ministry trials. Pain is universal, and to deny that, that it has an impact in your life, is foolish. At, at, on the naive end is foolish. On the other end is arrogant, so when we started into foster care um, three years ago, we started learning about what the psychological com community calls ACEs, A-C-E-S, Adverse Childhood Experiences, okay? Uh, it's based on research that started years ago, been confirmed over and over again. Now, ACEs fall into 10 uh, categories, physical abuse, uh, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, exposure to domestic violence, um, a member of your household involved with substance abuse, a member of your household with unaddressed mental health issues, uh, the divorce and separation of your parents, or the incarceration of a family member. Those are 10 categories. And, and what the research shows is clear. The more of those that you experience in your childhood, the more likely you are to suffer from addictive behaviors, 
from mental health issues yourself, like depression, suicidal tendencies, even from physical problems, the incident of physical problems increased cancer, heart disease, obesity, and, and all kinds of other health problems. And the more of them you had, the more dramatic the increase was. In other words, they create life-altering wounds in your soul. And it's not just what happens to us in our childhoods, because life's tough no matter what age you are. You throw in the traumas and the tragedies that, we, that are just part of life, the loss of a spouse or a child or a parent or another close friend or family member, uh, job-related uh, issues, uh, church hurts, and spiritual abuse. And the, and, and the end, the, the, the end is, it just goes on and on. There's no end to the troubles and the problems that we experience. There seem to be endless sources of pain in the world. And while some of it can be taken in stride and, and, and get through that fairly quickly, some of the pain that we experience will do exactly what Luke 4 says. It will oppress your inner man. It'll crush you with tragedy and leave you downtrodden and bruised. Have you ever felt bruised at some point? You just, your eyes just pop open. You're just like, I feel like somebody beat me up, right? Can we be real with each other this morning? That there are times when our souls just feel like somebody pummeled us during the night. That's what we're talking about. That's not an emotional or psychological problem. That's a spiritual problem. And the research shows, and, and I think just life experience will teach you, those hurts have long-reaching implications and impacts in our lives. They affect our, uh, our lives in how we think, how we feel, and how we act. And we have to guard our hearts. We have to get our hearts healthy and keep them healthy. Okay, so that pain is universal. So how do we respond to pain? Well, not, not only is pain universal, but our pain response is also universal. How you react when you get hurt is, is pretty much universal. When you get hurt, your response is, is hardwired into your DNA. It's pretty much biological. How, what do you do? You withdraw from the source of the pain, right? You protect the affected area. You treat the symptoms of the pain, and then you do your best never to experience that pain again. Isn't that pretty much how we do no matter what kind of pain? So most people just try to stuff it and move on. Is anybody else besides me a stuffer? Just want to act like it didn't happen, or it didn't hurt, or it didn't affect you? you it, it, and what we do when we do that is we, we insulate ourselves in an effort to protect ourselves. That's what we're trying to do. But what was supposed to be insulation becomes isolation. What was supposed to protect us from further harm is now actually harming us. And what was supposed to keep us from dying is now actually keeping us from living. So when Matt stood here with the, the blindfold and the noise-canceling headphones and the gloves and the coat, all of that stuff is just a buildup of defense mechanisms and scar tissue and emotional baggage that we tried to use to protect ourselves. We tried to use to keep us from hurting. Somebody hurt us, so we withdrew. We insulated ourselves. And it's natural. 
and it's intuitive and it makes sense at the time. It seems like a good idea, but so we start to build walls around ourselves so we don't get hurt again. But it's amazing how fast a wall becomes a box and a box becomes a tomb that suffocates the life out of living. And there's a Christian rapper that has a song that says, I'm just breathing to death. Just breathing to death. Not living, just breathing to death. And sometimes you, you set up strongholds in your mind that dictate how you handle things in the future. You say things like, nobody will ever hurt me again. You say things like, oh, so you can fill in the blank with whatever works for you. Men can't be trusted. Women can't be trusted. Bosses, jobs, churches, pastors, whatever it is, can't be trusted. You, you say things like, there aren't any good men anymore. There aren't any good women. There aren't any good churches anymore. There aren't any good bosses anymore. Whatever, you set up this construct in your mind and it becomes a stronghold. So remember, part of, of the inner man is how you think. And any pain that affects your heart is going to affect how you think and what you believe. And then other people try to medicate. They just try to medicate it. And they do it with hobbies, with habits. They do it with work, with chemicals, relationships. America is a nation of addicts. We're a nation of addicts. We, we have almost everybody's addicted to something. And it may not be drugs or alcohol. Some of us are addicted. Some of us are as addicted to our hobbies as an alcoholic is to his drink. They, they sink every available dollar into their hobby. And it's not, because, it's not because the hobby brings them such peace and pleasure and relaxation. A lot of times they're using the hobby to medicate the symptom of a deeper pain that they never addressed. Some people do it with work. They're just workaholics. Some people do it with the pursuit of money or the pursuit of status. Some people do it with sports obsessions. Some people do it with marriages or jobs, whatever. Just one thing after another, trying to medicate the symptom of the pain. And of course, drugs, alcohol, those things. But those things never heal the hurt. They just dull the pain. So when you don't heal correctly, your pains become your chains. When you don't heal correctly, your pains become your chains. Last, last year in the spring, I think, I preached a message called the numbing down of the church. Not the dumbing down, the numbing down of the church. And I think this is the cause of that effect. We can't feel, we can't see, we can't hear God clearly. We're going through the motions because our pain response has created a barrier between us and God. And that's the bad news because not only did Jesus say in John that, uh, that we would have trouble, but he also said, I've overcome the world. But our pain response has attempted to protect us from the pain, but all it's done in reality is keep us from the only one who can actually heal that pain. Jesus didn't come to soothe the symptoms. He came to bring the cure. So that leads me to the last 
universal point today. And we're just, we're just cracking the surface of this, okay? So not only is the pain universal and the pain response is universal, but the good news is the healing is also universal. The healing is universal. Healing is for everybody. It's for everybody. Just as much as salvation is for everybody, we have to also believe that healing is for everybody as well. Jesus came to set us free. He came to save us and set us free. He came to deliver us. As a friend of mine said this week, it is part of the salvation package. It's part of what he was talking about when he said on the cross, it is finished. He has given us everything we need to be healed. We just have to walk in it. We just have to walk in it. Let's look at John chapter 11, starting in verse 43. And y'all just read ahead. I'll be there in a minute. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him, or the King James says, loose him and let him go. Now, this is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of salvation. Jesus even associated those two concepts just a few verses earlier when he said, when he was talking about what he was about to do, and he said, listen, calm down. I am the resurrection and the life. So anybody that comes to me, even though he's dead, is never going to, you know, yet shall he live. So just like Lazarus, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what Ephesians says. So when Jesus commanded Lazarus to rise, it was a picture of salvation. But notice what he said next. He said, unwrap him, loose him, and let him go. Lazarus was still wrapped up like a dead man. He was still bound by the things associated with his former status as a dead man. And notice Jesus didn't just say, good Lord, that man stinks. Spray some cologne on him. Do something so we don't have to smell it. He didn't say that. He said, get that stuff off of him. Get it off of him so he can be free and enjoy the life that I just gave him. See, every one of us have things from our past that's still hanging around like grave clothes. Even if they happened after we got saved, we may have never dealt with them And we've gotten all tied up in them again. Hurts we never dealt with. Ways of thinking, belief systems that we've developed as a response to pain, not in recognition of God's word, but in self-protection. Feelings that, that we have towards certain people or certain things that were developed out of, again, self-protection. Decisions that we've made and may still be making that are motivated by control. Any control freaks in the house? Or reforming control freaks in the house? It's motivated from pain. It's fear. And it comes from not healing properly in the first place. So listen, you have to believe that Jesus wants to heal you completely. He doesn't just want to treat your symptoms. He wants to heal you at the source in your inner man, at the soul and spirit level. You will never love God the way 
he wants to be loved and the way you want to love him until you have your soul restored, your inner hurts healed, things that you've buried, things that you've covered up intentionally. If you didn't get them healed before you covered them up, then they're still causing you problems right now. And that ain't a surprise to anybody but you. Because everybody around you already sees it. And I don't mean that to be mean. I mean it to give you permission to say, we're finna get this done. We're finna get this dealt with. Nobody around you is going to talk you out of it. Everybody around you is going to say, finally, finally. So listen, God's still speaking. Don't you want to hear him? God's still moving. Don't you want to see him? He's still working. Don't you want to feel him again? Do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? How just every little twinge and tingle of God, you just, it just set you on fire. But life's hard. Life's hard. And if you don't learn to deal with the problems when they happen, they don't get any better. So I want to invite you on a journey with me, one that I've already begun. Um, a few weeks ago, when I saw in Luke chapter 4 what I just read to you, and I saw in the word for myself that Jesus came to deliver us, to set us free from the, from the things that have crushed us and bruised us, something changed in me. I'd, al- I'd always believed, I'd always understood that this was a good thing, but when I saw it for myself in the Word, and, and not just any Word, but a foundational truth like Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is declaring His purpose for His ministry on the earth, and that part of that is to set me free from the hurts that I've buried in my life, something changed. And so I began to pursue healing like I never have before. And I've been, <clears throat> in the last seven years, I've been really transparent with you, probably more than you wish I would. Um, and and I, I preached a few years ago about um, a journey that I went through with seasonal depression. And if you've been here for, for a few years, and you remember that. And, and I finally figured out, the Lord showed me that it was around the time when my parents divorced. And I was 28 when my parents divorced. Um, and I was getting depressed every year in the same season. And once I finally realized that, then the Lord helped me to walk through some healing for that. And it's, it was great. And I told you about that. And I invited you then to do that. But I was very limited in my understanding of what that even meant. And, and, and I realized that ain't the only thing that's ever happened to me. That's not even the hardest thing that's ever happened to me. And so... A few weeks ago, I really began in earnest to walk this road for healing from, from all of those things. And listen, I recognized I could never lead you on this road until I got out in front of you. I couldn't lead you to an experience that I had not had for myself. I couldn't lead my family in an experience that I had not had for myself. 
And so I, I very passionately and eagerly um, leaned into the issues that, that I have been carrying for, for most of my life. And, and, and I'm, still, I'm still figuring some things out. I'm still walking the journey. I'm not done. But, but I, I ran ahead a little bit. And here's what I've recognized. I've recognized the beauty of freedom. I've recognized also that what I was walking in was not freedom. You don't realize how bound you are until you get a little taste of freedom. And so I've seen the difference in my prayer life, in the intimacy in my prayer life, in the intimacy of worship that I had not experienced before or had not experienced in a long time. There's a clarity of thought that I haven't had in a long time. There, there's, a, there's a freedom and a newness that I haven't experienced before. And I'm not done with the journey, but I, I'm far enough ahead to say, you have got to get up here. <laughs> You've got to go with me. Don't dismiss this. Please don't set this aside as some sort of psychological nonsense. That's not what this is. I've shown it to you in the Word. And I'm, over the next few weeks, I'm going to continue to show it to you over and over and over again. Because once you recognize what the Word's saying and what Jesus came for, then you see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. And we're going to look at that stuff. So today, listen, I'm enjoy, I, I'm, I am inviting you to join me on this road to address the heart attacks that you've had in your life. We've got a, a ton to discuss. But this is how it started for me. I made a list of the things. I honestly got my phone and made a note of the things that were still causing me pain when I think about them. There, listen, this is not everything that ever happened. Somebody called me a name when I was eight and it hurt my feelings. It, it, it's, it's some of those things, you're done. I'm talking about tragedies and traumas that have crushed you. And if you don't deal with those right, it's not just a little, it's not just a scar. So make a list of those things that still cause you pain. For me, the way I sort of knew where the line was to draw, there were some things that caused me to tear up. Every time I thought about them, every time I talked about them, I got, I got really emotional. And I'm not a really emotional person. But those, it brought up those emotions right to the surface within five seconds. So I said, those are, the, those are my top things right there. I'm clearly not healed from those things. Or, or maybe you're in a situation where you can't stop yourself from talking about whatever that thing was, right? Every time somebody mentions it, you just, you just spill the whole story and all the emotions come back and all the feelings and and, and it's, it's as if you're reliving it all over again. That means you hadn't healed from it. So this is the first part of the altar call. And I know I'd normally get music up here, but it's hard for me to talk over the music. So the first part of the altar call is for you to begin to make a list of those things that are in your life that still cause you pain. It might be a loss. It might be grief. It, it, I don't know. Make a list of those things that not only just cause that, that have caused you pain, but have changed the way you think. Change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act towards somebody 
or something. Because that's your inner man. That's your mind, will, and emotions. So write those things down. Grab your phone, make a list. I don't care if you write on the back of a tithe envelope or whatever you have to do. Write it down. Here's the second part of the altar call. I want you to start praying over that list. Pray over it. Pray for yourself to have the strength to face those things. Pray for yourself to have the courage to get healed. Pray that you have the strength to get free. Listen, nothing terrifies the enemy like freedom. Nothing terrifies the enemy like freedom. And nothing terrifies a person who's bound like freedom. And it's, it's really counterintuitive. It sounds crazy. You would think that anybody who's bound would be really ready to get set free. But when all you've ever known is bondage, freedom's terrifying. So pray over yourself. Pray over this whole journey. He's going to throw fear at you. He's going to throw every excuse in the book. Some of you will even be tempted to get superstitious about it. Here's what I mean. I've heard believers say stuff like, oh, I don't even mess with all that deep spiritual you know, warfare kind of stuff. Because that just stirs up the devil. Would you listen to yourself? Listen to yourself. That means you have more trust in the devil to leave you alone than you have in God to overcome the enemy. I'd scream that if I could. Don't fall for that. Start praying right now. And don't accept anything less than than complete healing. Jesus came to give all of us a rich and abundant life. But too many of us can't experience it because of the soul-piercing pain that we've never dealt with. And I'm just telling you, it's time to deal with it. It's time to deal with it. We will never be the church that God has called us to be until we, as individuals, deal with these issues. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.